You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome back to Shot of History. I'm Stephanie. I'm the color man, Big Dev. I'm Melissa. I'm Calvin. And I'm Dave. And we're back. You guys. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know everybody that's listening is very excited about it, just like (laughs) Dev was. So excited. (laughs) Uh, Dev, you are going to be the historian today. Yes. Um, (laughs) Unfortunate for everyone. so we have been warned that this might not be as funny or might be depressing or sad. So, Oh no, I'm uh, sure we'll find ways we'll to crack jokes. Find humor yeah. in it because we're going to see uh, maybe some of the um, tools of the trade that have been used recently, uh, uh, you know, <coughs> January 6th. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but yeah. So before we get started, drink them. If you got them guys, cheers. Cheers. What are we drinking? Oh. What's everybody drinking? Still that benchmark, because I got to get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got I to go. I am drinking Copper Fox. Copper Fox is a rye whiskey from Williamsburg, Virginia. Or Sperryville, yeah. Virginia. Nice. Absolutely fantastic. I went there. Uh, I went to Williamsburg on my anniversary. Um, uh, second, third anniversary, something like that, and went to their distillery, and uh, they make smoky whiskeys. And when Which I brought I this like. home, <laughs> yeah, I hear the funny thing. I brought this home, and it's like it tastes like smoke. It's amazing. And Dave tells me, "Oh, you mean Lafroig?" Yeah. and I was like, "Huh? <laughs> yeah, you mean like Scotch?" <laughs> yeah, I was like, "You mean like every good?" But okay, cool. Yeah, yeah I, I had no idea, but I, I still love it because it was my first. I do really like Lafroy. It is really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had Octomore too, and that's that's even stronger than Lafroy. <laughs> yeah, we had that uh, had that at Foundation at uh, the Apparatus Room one night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good Jake stuff. Brought it, brought it over. Yeah. Were there any black people at the Apparatus Room? Was there one? At least one, right? Uh, I think you know Eric Thomas might have been sitting at a table working uh, on I, stuff. I, yeah, I'm that was yeah. Sure that's <laughs> cool. um, I'm not drinking, but I'm eating some old Wisconsin turkey snack bites. Because I'm hungry. And Ooh. my dogs. There they are. And your dogs are like, we love that shit too. Give us some. <laughs> we like turkey sticks. Uh-huh. <laughs> we heard turkey. Um, all right, Dev, let's get started. Let's do this. All right. So uh, my topic for today is the School of the Americas. I don't know uh, if any of you have actually heard of what the School of the Americas is. You may have. Heard I it. too went to school in America. No, nope, I have, no, I have not, not. Kind of a not that kind of school, which would technically make it School of the Americas. Yeah. I, I have not heard of this before. So. Uh, have you heard of uh, the? Hold on, let me scroll up here. Have you heard of the Western Hemisphere Institute for Security Cooperation? I was part of the Western <laughs> Hemisphere School. I'm going to go with no. Uh, no. I don't know what you said. No. Right. So, <laughs> so the School of the Americas, uh, it is a military school, basically, uh, you know, for lack of a better definition, front for the CIA and State Department to uh, cause insurrection in uh, Latin America and kind of Johnny, the rest of the world. Johnny, are you getting this? <laughs> We've been exposed. Right. Close everything down. Close everything down. 
Uh, so, <laughs> so where where did the idea uh, for the School of America start? Uh, so we get the idea in the U.S. Um, for this kind of policing of the Western Hemisphere as early as uh, 1783. The U.S. adopts a policy of isolationism. Um, you know, like we did recently in the last four years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, adopts a policy of isolation. Well, and let's be honest, some of it was our policy. Some of it was other countries' policies right. that forced yeah. us into that. Position. <laughs> right. uh, so basically this policy is like, we want to make sure we keep Europe out. Anytime they come this direction, there is problems. They don't have their shit together. We, you know, are experts on this because we just beat them in a war not too long ago. <laughs> uh, we don't have any military power of our own, uh, but um, yeah, keep keep out. <laughs> uh, so, you know, this is obviously it's just a it's a lot of uh, smoke blowing on the U.S. Uh, side of things because you know they're just you know they're just starting out. They're younger than most congressmen at you know current congressmen at this point. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's not a hard achievement. Like, right. let's let that. <laughs> right. So on, uh, so on December second, eighteen twenty-three, President James Monroe uh, gives gives a speech that basically just puts the world, uh, you know, puts Europe, which at the time to them was the world, uh, on notice that they're um, that they need to stay out of the Americas. That we that, that we will not stand for this injustice. Uh, you need to keep your dirty European ass, uh, across the, across the Atlantic <laughs> and stay out of, stay out of the Americas. Um, this, you know, so this speech is, uh, eventually becomes the foreign policy that we know as the Monroe doctrine in 1850. Gotcha. Um, and this was, you know, basically this, you know, this is coming off of the speech is coming off the heels of a lot of these South and Central American, uh, countries, trying to shake off the last vestiges of uh, Spanish, uh, Spanish and Portuguese rule. Um, you got a lot of burgeoning countries, uh, you know, popping up in, in South America, uh, just trying to get their feet. And America, rightfully so, thought like, hey, you know, it's probably in our best interest that we make sure these places succeed and just basically tell Europe to, to leave them alone. Um, but again, you know, we're talking 1823. We're not talking that far from the revolutionary war. We got our asses handed to us in the war of 1812. Um, so this is still a lot of smoke blowing on, uh, the part of the U S however, quite a bit of chest puffing going on. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> however, um, you know, I mean, they, they have a couple of things working for them, right? Uh, they have the Atlantic just, ocean. Yeah, the, the difficulty of putting troops in these foreign countries, and the surprisingly, our biggest ally was the British, um, only because of the economic gain that they, uh, you know, had the chance to to get from this. Because it's like, well, if we support this, then that's going to keep the oceans open for us to sell all of our goods to these new countries. And uh, so it's a win-win. If we can help out, if we can help edge out France and Spain. Yeah. We get (laughs) stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the, uh, so the British end up basically uh, enforcing this until 
America starts building their own, uh, building their own empire of uh, military force. Um, Monroe's speech is, you know, generally well received as a noble cause in South America, but they knew like shit isn't on the up and up. <laughs> we've we've been paying attention, like we we get it. Um, the Chilean minister Diego Portales uh, actually wrote to a friend saying, "But we have to be very careful for the Americans of the North, or for the Americans of the North." The only Americans are themselves. <laughs> and so, they ended with all my love. Yes. Lo- love and laughs. XO, XO. Yeah. XO, XO, right? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, they, they're obviously like, like, oh, this is, this is good for us. But some, some fishy shit's going to happen. <laughs> right. And, and legitimately, like, that's exactly what happens. Uh, so... Theodore Roosevelt takes office and, you know, he's not known for being the, uh, the most, uh, racially sensitive president. You don't say, <laughs> so nice, but he didn't kill a bear cub. That, that's, yeah. that's what we really need to remember yeah. him for. He yeah. didn't right. kill any, any tiny bears. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> he ends up adding to the Monroe doctrine with, uh, the Roosevelt corollary. Um, uh, this basically, it was his stance that, uh, telling Latin America and Europe, like, look, Europe, we understand like all these Latin American countries are horribly in debt to you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to act as your debt collectors so you can stay the hell out, but then we'll like go in and and free these people of the money that they owe you. (laughs) We're going to be that 800 number that you constantly don't pick up on. (laughs) And this is, and this is all in the name of, stabilizing the region <laughs> right <laughs> well we're gonna need you to pick up the phone to yeah, stabilize right. the region right, please right. pick up the fucking phone <laughs> uh so uh, uh while while this is all going on there's this uh drago doctrine from our uh from the argentinian government is that if he it's dies he dies will break you yeah. doctrine <laughs> The I will break you, doctor. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's in response to like the the shelling of Venezuela because uh, Venezuela owed European countries all this this money. Um, so he's basically like, hey, you guys, like this is not the way to get your money back. You need to go away and like work this out amicably. And they're like, otherwise, you know, the U.S. You're 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 playing in, uh, you know, the Americas. The U.S. is going to step in and 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 mess your shit up. And Teddy Roosevelt basically like looks at this doctor and he goes, no, 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 we, we don't guarantee any state against punishment if it misconducts itself. <laughs> so basically like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to collect the money. Uh, but yeah, no, no, you, you fucked up. We're going to, we're, we're going to let them do what they got to do. Um, all, and all joking aside, I feel like at this point, like the way that the story is being told, you can honestly feel like the episode I want to do at, at some point in the next few weeks will be about the 1790s at the point of the story you're telling you you can almost feel the world getting you can literally feel it getting bigger right you can feel it getting bigger in the way that america is exerting its its will its force well yeah and by the time teddy roosevelt takes office i mean we've got a pretty decent army we've got a pretty decent naval system so i mean we're able to 
back it up a little bit more and and kind of start exerting our force outwards with you know the auspice that it's like no we're just trying to protect we're trying to protect us not necessarily you know make everybody look like us <laughs> and also like try to take over some places <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean so uh, it's time for a little democracy <laughs> Yeah, so now, so basically this corollary that uh, Teddy Roosevelt adds to the Monroe Doctrine is is seen as the U.S. government now being well within their rights to act as creditors for uh, European and U.S. banks, as well as their business interests. So it's not just uh, governmentally enforced. Um, This is also like, oh, this defense contractor got screwed out of a bunch of money because they couldn't pay. Guess what? We're coming collecting. (laughs) Well, it sounds like we're the the China of the day. Right. Yep. Basically. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. So they, you know, this, you know, you're effect, we're effectively becoming the police of the, uh, the Western hemisphere. Um, Eventually, eventually under uh, Coolidge, uh, his state department had. uh, What was his name? His first name? Calvin. Yeah, his his State Department uh, had writes the Clark Memorandum um, that basically rejects the the Roosevelt Corollary being part of the Monroe Doctrine, but not necessarily rejecting the policies that it instated. So they're like, uh, no, this isn't this isn't what that doctrine meant, but we're we're still going to do it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so then, uh, you know, this, uh, these, these two world wars happen. Um, it's, it's I don't know if you guys, crazy. yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of them, but yeah. you know, these two world wars that happen. Yeah. No, so I'm, there focused, some wars. I'm focused on the one that's about to happen. Minor, <laughs> minor blips on the overall scale yeah. of, of what's no going on. Blip. Yeah. 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 No so, one doesn't count, but uh, I will tell you this. We are back to back world war champions. Just yes. so you know. <laughs> well, and so. this definitely, this definitely plays into, uh, founding of the school of the americas so prior to world war ii a lot of these latin american countries um they were getting training for using their military equipment that they were buying and how to you know rise up a military force by looking at these european countries that were in essence more technically a lot uh, technologically advanced than the united states at the time um, so they were going to get they had cannons. They had super cannons. Right. Exactly. So like you'll um, so this podcast that I uh, that I kind of inspired me to do this and I suggest you definitely go listen to it if you want to hear like a more in-depth review uh, called Behind the Bastards um, talks about like, oh, you know, that's why you'll see like the like the Argentinian government because they got a lot of support from the from the Germans. You'll see them doing the, you know, the fascist salute because that's where they were trained to do their military maneuvers. So like, that's just normal to them. Um, But after world war II, like Europe's left in in shambles. And now the U S basically owns 50% of the wealth in the world. And the, uh, you know, the, the creme de la creme of, of the military. So, and, you know, because, because of all this going on, um, the U S populace is now like fully on board of being the police of the Western hemisphere. Um, there's this, there, there's this poll where basically like 
90% of all Americans are like, yeah, we need to protect Canada and Greenland and uh, Mexico and, and South America because we can't have like what's going on overseas end up here because it looked like the end of the world at the time, um, which for some people, it legitimately was the end of the world. <laughs> uh, so so out of this uh, becomes, uh, and this happens right around like, uh, you know, we're st- we still own the, the Panama Canal Zone. And and we found, the Americans found a school called uh, the Latin American Training Center Ground Division, uh, which is later renamed the Latin American Ground School. Uh, this takes place at Fort Amador in the Panama Canal Zone. Um, and basically, so... Like on the surface, the school is set up to be, you know, just good uh, stewardship of the weapons that we're selling these countries, right? So these these uh, cadets are being brought in to learn how to use the anti-aircraft guns that uh, the the U.S. is selling these countries. Uh, you know, so it's like, hey, you come here, we'll pay you to be here. You'll learn how to use all these this weaponry. You'll learn how to be a good general. It looks great, right? Like on the surface, except it's not so great, right? Because it's like a real life version of the game Risk, right? It really does it really right. does? So the 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 mo- most insidious part of this training was uh, that they were introducing these people from Latin America to the American way of life, um, which is just a you know, basically a fancy way of saying the, the CIA and state department are trying to trick tri- these people into believing that the only way to be happy in your country is if you live like an American. Right. So you need to bring these American ideals back to your countries. America. And yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, guys, you guys take siestas in the middle of the day. No more of that. Drink That's coffee, work hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, now we're sitting here like, that was a great idea. Years yeah. We don't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to get on your game. Yeah. And so they, you know, they bolster this idea by, so the Argentinians are, you know, more light skinned than everybody that, in Latin America that's around them that is attending to school. So the Americans in a way to create a division on the continent is they start allowing these Argentinian generals to act white and, you know, so they give them passes to eat with the Americans to get really good food, really good lodging, like just, just the worst. Yeah. Just the worst, like trying to create turmoil and keep them. America. Are you saying that America had racist policies? (laughs) Oh, I know. It's crazy, right? I I don't believe you. (laughs) It doesn't sound like America, the America that I very well know. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so this was all in a, all in an attempt to, you know, make them feel more American and, and expose them to the American dream. Um, right. And because they're being paid to be there, they've got all this this money that they wouldn't normally have, and they're able to buy like dishwasher, you know, like washing machines and dryers and and trucks and like all this like excess that the Americans are used to having, and take it back to their home country, and then they take it back to their home country, and it's like I don't like nobody else has this, and it and it's all because of like America's doing it is doing it right, right, so. So you're you're creating these standing militaries in these countries that are wholly dependent on our training, 
to then go back and be like, yeah, have fun in your have fun in your country. Uh, yeah, just remember where you got. I mean, I was gonna say, I mean, kind right. of. A, I mean, it's a it's a dick move, but it makes sense. I mean, if you let right. you look at it. <laughs> yeah. spread a little democracy. <laughs> yeah, and and that's you know that's this is what happens for for years uh, up until the 1950s, where the we're way. just selling more. We're, we're making all these uh, these deals to sell more and more weapons to train more and more people and how to, how to use those weapons, making them more and more dependent on us. Hey, that's a wrap for part one of this episode. Make sure you pay attention and grab part two as well.